listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. From our studio in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. We are grateful to you for being with us. Sports talk without the trash talk. Check out our website, btgprogram.com, or give us a follow on Twitter or maybe a like on Facebook, at BTG Program. Zach, I want to start out the show asking you, what was your first reaction when you heard the news that the Redskins had claimed Reuben Foster off waivers from the 49ers. My first thought was, what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, disbelief. I couldn't believe yeah. it. You know, and then I took a pause and I thought about it for a while, wondering if perhaps there's more to the story. Perhaps they thought they could be a help to him in some way. I mean, they do have a number of fellow Alabama alumni on their roster. Maybe they thought that could help. I wondered if maybe I was overlooking something. Uh, the grace afforded in a second chance. I'm trying to look for the good in this. You know, you've heard me remark several times how how grateful I am for the second chance God gave me with forgiveness of sins through Christ. But mm-hmm. after all that searching for some way to look at it positively, I came right back to wondering, what the heck are the Redskins doing? Yep. I can't see any other way. But this is a football team making a football move because, after all, he is a potential game-changing player. Yeah, he's very good. If I were a fan of the Redskins, though, I would be greatly disappointed. For those who may not be aware, Reuben Foster was arrested last Saturday evening, suspicion of domestic violence, for the second time Mm -hmm. in a 10-month span. Because they had warned Foster about this, the 49ers acted quickly. They didn't waste any time. They released him the next morning prior to their game that Sunday. Now, I know the Redskins believe they simply claimed a quality football player off waivers. They were careful to say he may never suit up for the team. Not only does he now have legal hurdles he'd have to clear, but the team will certainly have in place a number of hurdles of their own that he'll have to clear before he ever sees the field again. But regardless, I can't see this as anything other than an insult to the young lady Foster is alleged to have assaulted. Mm -hmm. In a league which says it is serious about domestic violence, how can they even let a team put in a claim in this situation? It's a joke. It delegitimizes everything they say about being tough on domestic violence. I mean, back in January, he had been arrested for possession of marijuana, and then it was a month later that he had that first arrest for suspicion of domestic violence, which, by the way— included a weapons possession charge, and now here we are again. Remember back in 2016, though allegedly he was not involved, he was present during a shooting that left three people dead outside an Alabama nightclub. I mean, this this man needs help. Mm -hmm. He needs to make better decisions. And if that's why the Washington Redskins claimed him, good for them. But, man, that's a real stretch for me to think that that's what's behind their claim. And, you know, NFL teams don't pay a player millions of dollars so that they can help him. You know, you pay a player millions of dollars because you think they're going to play for your football team. It is a sad chain of events in the life of Reuben Foster. His parents were estranged when his father shot his mother in the back. By the way, while she was holding an 18-month-old Reuben, 
His father then fled the state, was arrested again. He escaped jail and then lived in Miami under a false name for something like 16 years before he was recaptured. I mean, it's a sad life, and it seems that that domestic violence cycle continues. And in my opinion, the Redskins don't care so long as he can make tackles and pressure quarterbacks. Coming up on today's show, are we privileged to witness the greatest sports era of all time? Zach and I are going to talk about that, plus our weekly Roberts Wesleyan College Red Hawks recap. Zach has a few shenanigans statements, new ones to run by us. And we'll tell you what it is that we like this week in sports. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let's take a look back now on the week that was in Roberts Wesley College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Wednesday, November 28th. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesley College. Because of the Thanksgiving holiday, no games to report on, but that does not mean there isn't news. Turns out the next Wednesday's men's and women's basketball games against Thruway rival Damon College will be broadcast live on the NCAA Facebook and Twitter pages as part of the NCAA D2 Basketball Showcase games for the week. By the way, Roberts Wesleyan College will host those games on December 5th, the women chipping off at 6 p.m. and the men following at 8. You can also see the women's team in action at home on Saturday, December 1st, taking on Chestnut Hill College. That game is scheduled for 1 p.m. The ladies have won three in a row, and in fact, both squads are off to three and two starts on the season. One more basketball note for the women. Senior guard Taylor Bino has been named this week's ECC Defensive Player of the Week for her performance in last week's 77-57 home win over Mansfield University. Stay up to date with Roberts Athletics by visiting your website, robertsredhawks.com. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. And if you do stop by our website, subscribe to the podcast and listen to the show on the go. In addition to the many places all across the world where the show was downloaded this past week, we also say hello to Beloit, Wisconsin, who were in on last week's program, the home of the Beloit Snappers Class A minor league team for the Oakland A's. It's the birthplace of race car driver Danica Patrick, former Detroit Lions and Indianapolis Colts head coach Jim Caldwell, as well as Cheap Trick frontman Robin Zander. Cheap Trick, one of my favorite bands, one of the most underrated bands in Mm -hmm. all of music. To the many good-looking, extremely intelligent people, which Beloit, Wisconsin, seems to be famous for, thanks for listening to the show. Wherever it is that you're listening from, we thank you as well. Take it away, Zach. Give us this week's shenanigans statements. All right, number one, the newest New York Yankee after last week's trade is pitcher James Paxton. Truth or shenanigans, James Paxton will be the Yankees' biggest offseason pitching acquisition. 
No, buddy, I'm going to say shenanigans to that. They need more, and they know it. Mm -hmm. If they don't get another marquee-type pitcher, then I think they will trade for one. I should say if they don't get it through free agency, they'll trade for one. They won 100 games and still finished second, a distant second, to the Boston Red Sox. They have the minor league depth to pull off a trade. I think they need to do it. And when a team's got 100 wins and are this close to being able to win a title, this is when you make those moves. Absolutely. And, you know, as we're recording this, yesterday they had Patrick Corbin in as a free agent in at Yankee Stadium to make a sales pitch to him. It's possible by the time you hear this that Patrick Corbin's a Yankee. I think he's the most likely, but... Like you said, there's pitching to be had out there in trades. The Yankees have stockpiled the ammunition to make those trades if they choose to. Uh, I think James Paxton, when the season starts, is the Yankees' number three starter. I think they'll make at least one more big move. Which, by the way, sales pitch, don't they just have to go, we're the Yankees, everybody else isn't? (laughs) (laughs) That's all they'd have to do to to get me. But uh, Number two. Buffalo Bills rookie Josh Allen proved he is their franchise quarterback by leading the Bills to a victory over Jacksonville on Sunday. What do you think on this one? I think so. Um, You know, you probably remember after the draft, I was upset. Josh Allen was not the quarterback that I wanted for Buffalo, but he's gradually been winning me over. And I know people look at the, the low yardage total and the low completion percentage from Sunday, but if you factor in the, the passes that he threw away to avoid sacks, the passes that were dropped, the passes that were called back on penalties. He actually had a fantastic day. Obviously, he went over 100 yards rushing with a touchdown before the final kneel down. It was a really great performance, and he's got some bad teams coming up to continue playing against. So I I really like what I see from Josh Allen. Yeah, I agree as well. I mean, but was that not already a thing where he was going to be the franchise quarterback? And you know, I wanted him for the Giants. Now, the Giants got one heck of a running back who I like more and more all the time, but uh, I'm very excited about the career Josh Allen looks like he may have, barring injuries. Last but not least, many pundits predicted that those Buffalo Bills would be the worst team in football this season, but they're now 4-7 and seven and riding a two-game winning streak, so truth or shenanigans, the Bills won't even be picking in the top 10 spots in the upcoming NFL draft. Ooh, that's a tough one, Zach. They're right about that 10 spot now, I think. Their remaining schedule's not overly difficult. I'm going to say I agree. They'll draft somewhere lower than 10th, especially because they're going to win a few more games, it seems, down the stretch. But let's be real. They're not going to run the table, and they're not going to make a run at the playoffs. Right. I believe as we're recording this, they're in the number 9 spot in the draft if the season ended now. They get the Jets, the Lions, and then the Dolphins twice. Uh, that's a pretty easy schedule aside from the Patriots. So there's a chance they finish this season at 8-8, eight and eight, and that gets them out of the top 10. There you have it. That's going to do it for shenanigans. But before we go to break, I need a reason to talk about a couple of things people said <laughs> this week. They be constantly beefing, man, when they should just be chilling. Word. They need to learn. Shut up. Shut up. Just shut up. Shut up. You talk too much, you worry me to death. One of the guys was Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he called out Antonio Brown's route running. He called out one of the coaches' play calling. He called out James Washington's drop in the third quarter. He's calling people out left and right. And then he said this. You have to know how to motivate different guys in different ways. And I think that's part of being a leader, being a captain, um, just understanding players. And so uh, sometimes you you just grab them off to the side and sometimes uh, you have to be honest with them. And so uh, I think that I've earned um, 
the right to be able to do that with as long as I've been here. And, um, you know, it's and, and I'll be just as critical on myself as well in, in front of you guys as well. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, when he was listing the different ways to motivate players, none of the ways that he listed was talk about them on the radio. Yeah, that's not how you motivate any player. Listen, if you want to be a leader, you want to take them alongside and privately have a conversation with them. You do that. You are the leader. You are the quarterback. You are the captain. But to publicly ridicule them is shameful. And then there's Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Now, Baker called out Hugh Jackson, had several unflattering comments to make about Hugh Jackson, which is fine. Which I enjoyed very much. Great. But own it. Mm-hmm. but own it. Hey, you don't like the guy? That's fine if that's the case. You don't think he's a competent coach? That's fine if you think the case. But here's what he had to say. You know, people took it as me personally attacking you. That's, that's not it. It's the fact that I get to have my own opinion on how it transpired, and he gets to do what he wants. <laughs> it's not a personal attack, but I'm saying all these damaging things about this other person. Yeah, I apologize for the audio quality there. I didn't realize it was as crummy as it was but the point is if you're going to own it own it if you're going to say something say something but how do you then turn around and say well it's not a personal attack it is there's nobody else except that one person that you're attacking and just to dismiss it as like it makes it okay if i just say well that's just my opinion you're you're a loser you're a jack wagon i don't like you i hate you but hey that's just my opinion it's like so when you when you, you follow can't up fault me it's like when you follow up something with no offense <laughs> i think you're a terrible human being no offense no offense just my yeah. opinion i'm no. sure nobody else agrees i'm with you with if me. you say whatever you want that's fine you have the right to an opinion like he said but like you said own it just say i think he was a terrible coach and a bad human being and i hate his face and then own it Time for a break. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, mythical monsters, murder whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, this is the Beyond the Game program, talking sports from a faith-based point of view. I asked the rhetorical question, really, at the top of the show, are we privileged to witness the greatest sports era of all time? And I would assume that my even asking that, you already have surmised that 
Yeah, I, I think we are. Perhaps the first and foremost evidence of that is the incredible number of all-time great players. Hey, LeBron James comes to mind. In my opinion, he's the greatest ever. You want to say Jordan, okay. He's, what, in his 18th season or something like that? And he's still dominating a league that is star-studded top to bottom. It's amazing to me. You can look at a guy like Roger Federer, who has won 19 major tournaments. Certainly, Serena Williams is the greatest female tennis player of all time. She's got something combined, singles and doubles, something like 40 titles. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. Within the past decade, we've seen great Olympians like Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt. Mm -hmm. Baseball, you got Mike Trout. Soccer, you got Ronaldo. You got Messi. Hockey has so many young guys, but they seem to have so much talent. And so it's just, it's an incredible time. To be a sports fan, I get it. Every generation had their fair share of great players, but beyond players, you have just the coverage. I used to watch the Yankee games on a black and white TV, you know, that was full of snow and lines. And Mm -hmm. today's sports fan is so spoiled with picture quality, they may not even know what I mean when I refer to snow in the picture. Not, Not even just picture quality, but so many options for places to watch. We used to have True. to watch the one or two games that run. You can stream them on your computer. You can watch them on Amazon. You can watch them on Twitter. You can watch them on your phone. You can, If you want to watch a game, you can find a game somewhere to watch. You know, the stadiums themselves are so equipped with giant video boards and monitors throughout the stadium. You're not going to miss anything if you go get peanuts. Mm-hmm. If you go to the bathroom, they got monitors in there in some stadiums. It's yeah. You're not going to miss anything. Social media allows you to interact with players like never before. It's an incredible time to be a sports fan. I don't think there's ever been an era like it. No, and I think a big part of it for me is the quality of the athletes themselves, where the athletes today and the technology that they have at their disposal for training and for health and nutrition and stuff is unmatched in history. And the athletes themselves are bigger, faster, stronger. You know, we hear it all the time, but I, I can't think of an era where the athletes were ever just as incredibly talented as they are right now. I was having coffee the other day with with a friend of mine, and similarly, he was making the case that this is a great time to be a believer in Christ. And many Christians may counter that. They may point out the challenges that they face in this society, but my friend's always been a glass-half-full guy, always been an encourager, and it makes him such a great guy. You want to be around these type of people. But he points out that you can pull up videos or podcasts from preachers all over the world You don't have to be limited to your local church's preacher, although there's nothing wrong with that. But now all week long, you could be fed by people from anywhere. You can pull up anybody that you want. If you're a student of the Word of God, there's so many tools available. There's such information is is limitless. You can find definitions for Greek and Hebrew words at the touch of a button. You commentaries from respected scholars, uh, Books can be downloaded just with the touch of an icon. It's amazing. It's a great time that leaves us really, in my opinion, without excuse for not growing in our faith. And yet so many believers never seem to get beyond that young believer stage, never seem to grow into spiritual maturity. I was telling my Bible class recently that I feel like there's four levels of spiritual maturity. And listen, I'm sure I picked this up somewhere along the way. This is not my own original thought, so I'm not taking credit for something that I doubtless have heard somewhere else. But there's four types. There's the new believer, the young believer, 
the mature believer, and then what I would call the disciple maker. And the new believers obviously just came to faith. But the young believer and the mature believer, it's not a matter of how old they are or how long they've been professing their faith. It's one has grown, one has applied themselves, and the other one may have been saved for many, many years, but has never grown to maturity. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able." For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? If you don't put action to your faith by sharing it with others, by regularly studying the Word of God, by times of daily prayer, by serving in a ministry or ministries, among other things, and you'll remain a young believer, only able to handle the milk of the Word, as Paul says, never really graduating to that point where you're chewing on the meat that I believe God wants to show you. A mature believer has done that. They're actively involved in their church. They are studying the Word of God, all those things I listed a moment ago, though they may not be necessarily focused on disciple-making. But I, I think that's what I believe that Jesus is calling us all to do. He says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not criticizing anyone that's not focused on disciple-making, but I truly believe the great greatest impact we can have in our community, on other communities, on individual lives, is investing in people the way Jesus invested in his disciples. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses— Entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul had these relationships in his life. He had a relationship on the one hand with Barnabas, who was the more mature believer. He invested in Paul. He set examples. He taught him. On the other hand, Paul had this relationship with Timothy, where he was the teacher, where he was the example setter. And I think, regardless of how young or old you are, we all need to have these relationships in our life. We should be actively pursuing them. Maybe it's a weekly get-together. It doesn't have to be. It just needs to be somewhat regularly so that, regular enough so that there's some accountability, so that you have an opportunity to hold one another accountable. Maybe you get together in person over lunch. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's time set aside for a Skype phone call. Maybe it's just a regular phone call, whatever it is, an hour or so where you meet with somebody, you go over, you know, a little bit of small talk, of course, uh, but then you're going to go talk about what you read in your Bibles. You're going to talk about the victories and the setbacks you had in your walk with Christ. Many churches today have discipleship programs, but a friend of mine has convinced me that the preferred phrase for that, I really like disciple making because it it describes what it truly is. We're, t- we're making people who are focused who will go out and do the same thing make disciples of Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 16, we read about Jesus talking to his followers. He's telling them, which by the way includes us, what he expects, and that's that you should go and bring forth fruit and fruit that should last. Investing in others is a way to produce fruit that will last, last into eternity, will not spoil. The goal of a disciple maker is spiritual 
multiplication, make other disciples. The first step in that process, of course, is to accept the free gift of mercy and grace that God offers, made possible by the death of Christ on the cross and his subsequent resurrection three days later. On the cross, he paid the penalty of our sins. Thanks to his mercy, God doesn't give us what we deserve because he gave that to Jesus. And because of his grace, God gives us what we don't deserve, the rewards earned by Jesus. How do you get in on that gift, that free gift that God offers of love and mercy and grace? He asks just this, that you admit your sin and seek forgiveness. Which, by the way, forgiveness of sins is only found through Christ. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pray to God. Admit your sin and your guilt. Tell him you believe he died on the cross for you. Tell him you believe he was buried and rose again and ask him to forgive you and help you in repenting from sin. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If we can help, please let us know. Reach out to us through our website. Maybe you want more information on disciple making or perhaps you are ready for the very first time to place your faith in Christ for forgiveness of your sins. Our website is btgprogram.com. We're up against the clock, but we can't get out of here until we tell you what it is that we like this week in sports. So, Zach, why don't you go first? What I like this week was uh, Bill's rookie receiver, Robert Foster, uh, who noticed that the uh, the young boy ahead of him in line at a store this week couldn't afford the shoes that he wanted. Robert Foster bought the shoes for the boy, and the boy's mother posted about it on social media. So, Robert Foster, buying some expensive shoes for a kid is what I like, like this that? week. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Boston Bruins defenseman Kevin Miller will miss at least five weeks after he was struck in the throat by a puck hit during Monday's loss to Toronto. A CT scan revealed a cartilage injury to the larynx after he was hit by a first-period shot off the stick of John Tavares. What I like about this, don't think I'm macabre or something like this, that I'm happy that this guy got injured. What I like about this is the fact that it was not worse. Those pucks are hard, and guys like John Tavares shoot them with great velocity and force. The hit was straight on, and the damage could have been much more severe. And the thing that amazes me about hockey players such as Miller is that he stayed out on the ice. He stayed out there after he was hit. Think what you like about Kevin Miller, but his escaping a more serious injury after being hit in the throat by a hockey puck during a game is what I like this week. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Thanks again for joining us for this week's show. Here's how you can get involved. You know we use sports radio to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as sharing biblical applications from the world of sports with listeners all around the world each and every week. But we can't do it without you. It's because of the financial gifts of people such as yourself that the Beyond the Game program is on the air. Please consider a financial contribution to this radio ministry, and if you have a business, consider advertising during Beyond the Game. For information, or if you'd like to make a donation, visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be bold, and be great this week, everybody. 